Welcome to the High Roller Tide podcast, a special bowl game edition. I'm Rob Hazola. Momentarily, I'll be joined by Joe Fortbov, the National Football Post, as we break down this week's bowl games from a betting perspective. The regular season is over. We finished with a solid 42-27 and record against the spread this season. 15 games over 500, 61% success rate. So hopefully we can carry that success into the college postseason. In this week's podcast, we'll be breaking down the first week of bowl games up to and including next Thursday's games. That's a total of eight games between now and then. So let's not waste any more time. Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post now joins me on the line. Joe, it was a great regular season. I know I've been itching for some of these upcoming games. How have you been holding up without college football for a couple weeks? I'll tell you what. If you can catch fire during this time of year, bowl season, I don't think there's a better way to, to enjoy making money betting sports than this time of year. You're surrounded by family. You've got a college game on Christmas Eve. You've got games popping up left and right. And I've had a couple years where I've gone on these runs where it's like every day you're just making money, watching college football. Because, you know, despite the fact that a lot of us are working, which we will be through the holidays, it's still a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere because you realize a lot of people aren't on the computers and they aren't watching TV as much because you're around family. But this is so much fun if you can go on a run. So starting today, this is going to be uh, – I'm looking forward to talking to you about these games because we've got to get on the same page here. We've got to find a way to cash. This is a lot of fun when you can win these bowl games. Yeah, not to mention, you know, a lot of people have probably built up some credit card debt over the holiday season buying gifts <laughs> for the entire family. And what better way to pay off that credit card debt with uh, your bookie's money? Yeah, it's, uh, here's how it's going to work. My brothers are each going to get a gift if I win. If I lose, I'm going to hand them the losing ticket. <laughs> Just be like, look, I tried. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a great solution. All right, Joe, let's get right into it this week. Uh, Colorado State, they're heading back to Albuquerque for the second time in the span of just over a month. They clash with the Washington State Cougars in the New Mexico Bowl on Saturday. The Rams crushed New Mexico in the same stadium back in mid-November, and they've won three of their last four outings during the regular season. Colorado State goes into the weekend with their first winning record in the regular season since 2005. They've earned a spot in a bowl game for the first time since 2008. Now, this one's an interesting game. I like it a lot. Uh, Washington State open lane four and a half. I see mostly four and a halfs on the board right now, some fours on some offshores. I look at this game, I see a terrible matchup for Colorado State, one of the worst pass defenses in the Mountain West this year, and they didn't even play Fresno State, so that could have been a lot worse. They face a Cougars team that's fourth in the nation in passing. Looks like a big mismatch to me, Joe. I think this game could get real ugly real fast. Yeah, I got a problem here because I can't get on a side. Everyone I talk to in Vegas, um, the Sharps, they seem to love this game, but they're split in who they love. Half of these guys love Washington here. The other half love Colorado State. They make a lot of great arguments. The problem, as I alluded to earlier, is that it's the first bowl game of the year, and I'm going to have to have action on it. I can't just let the first game of the year go by with no bet. Um, I know that's obviously not what a professional or someone with restraint would say, but hell no. i, I got to find an angle here. That's how i got to start this season. So I'm going to look to the over in this game. It's, it's, a, it's a big total. It's about 66, 65 and a half. There hasn't been a whole lot of movement. As long as the weather holds, I think you're going to get an absolute shootout here. Washington State does not play defense. <laughs> that's not what uh, the head coach of that team has ever been about. And Colorado State, like you said, very, very poor pass defense. 
that's something that, that really fits well with what Washington State wants to do. It's a bowl game. A lot of times you bring these teams in. The defenses want to give an effort, but it's all about the offensive showcase. You've had a couple weeks to put, up, put in some new gimmicks, some new gadgets. You, you want to try a little bit of stuff out and have some fun. Remember, these are bowl games. You're not going to leave anything on the table. Right. You're going to go for it on fourth down. You're going to take some shots. I think we're going to have a lot of opportunities here. So for me, I'm going to lean to the over because I can't seem to find the side I like in this one. Well, I would tend to agree with you there. I, I do like Washington State quite a bit, and I would I would say that I need them to score probably at least into the high 30s, maybe the uh, early 40s for them to win this game and cover the spread. Uh, and I think they will do that. And I love the point that you just made, and we should you know we'll note this for all the bowl games going forward. But again, Washington State's not going to leave anything on the table here. If they're up if they're up a lot early, they're going to continue scoring points. This is the final game of the season. They love to win in a route, especially in you know in their postseason. Uh, so I could see them putting up a lot of points in this matchup. I do lean with the over as well, Joe. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I I like the fact that you're taking the side on Washington State because now that's got me thinking there because I trust your opinion. And like I said, the guys I talked to in town and there's been multiple of them. Some of the guys really love Colorado State in this game. The others really love Washington State. I mean, this is this is a game that people have very strong opinions on. The problem is it's not a consensus opinion, which has been what's so difficult for me to try to figure out, you know, which way I should be leaning here. But you're on the Washington State side. I like that. I think that offense is going to be able to find a way to score points. Both teams should show us the motivation to want to play in a bowl game. Um, it's not like the, either team had aspirations of doing a whole lot more. This should be a game they both come out and give us a big effort. And uh, hopefully with a, little, with a couple gadgets in there, maybe a punt return, we can get to that over. But uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. I think it's going to be a great way to start the season. All right, Joe, let's move on to a big game here, uh, at least a big game where you're going to be out in Las Vegas. We have the Las Vegas Bowl with uh, USC as they play another program from California, the 21st-ranked Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, Ed Orgeron, uh, you know, he guided USC to six wins in seven games. Uh, He was passed over for the head coaching position. Steve Sarkeesian uh, comes in about three weeks ago. Sarkeesian, though, will not be on the sidelines against Fresno State. It's going to be interim head coach Clay Helton. Uh, Meanwhile, the Bulldogs... Uh, they threatened to go into the BCS again this year. They were 10-0, and but they lost their final game of the year, 62-52, to the San Jose State Spartans. Uh, disappointing end to the year for them. Now, this one's very interesting because most offshores, and I, I believe a lot of books in Vegas, opened USC as a 4.5-point favorite. Uh, that number has climbed up to 6, even 7 in some spots right now. For me, this is a tough game to cap. I don't like the situation for either team. I look for a lot of situational angles in these bowl games. I don't see a big one here. I think motivation could be an issue for either one of these sides. Uh, do you see a you know an edge on either side in this matchup, Joe? I do. I hope this gets to seven because I really like Fresno State here. And there's one guy in town I know who's had a half decent season. This is his favorite play of the year. Loves Fresno State. It'd be great being in this town if I could find out where USC was staying and go scout them out and figure out partying and drinking the night before the game. But who knows uh, what the situation is going to be there. But that, that being said, here's what I like. Fresno State, as you said, um, they, they had a chance for a BCS bowl game, and they lost. They went to San Jose State. They lost in a shootout. Um, that was their final regular season uh, game of the, of the year. But they did have to come back for the conference game against Utah State to close out the season. That was the flattest of flat spots imaginable. You're on the verge of a BCS bowl game, you lose, and now you're going to plummet all the way to the Las Vegas Bowl. Mm -hmm. So you figure you're going to be really, really flat. They they weren't. They came out, they jumped up 24-7, they gave it away a little bit in the second half, but they were in in charge the whole way, and they won the game 24-17 for a win and a cover. So I like the fact that they came back the following week and showed the grit and the guts to not only get a win, but to get a cover when it was the flattest of flat spots imaginable for that team. USC is the most emotionally unstable football program in the country. 
They didn't like Monty Kiffin, so all the players laid down and they played terrible football. Then they loved Ed Orgeron, so they decided to start playing to their potential, and they really rattled off a lot of wins there at the end of the season. They were a pretty good football team. Mm -hmm. The problem is Eddie O didn't get brought back. The players are not happy about that. I think they view this as yet another disappointing season. They're going to Las Vegas for a bowl game. It doesn't mean much for the program. They're going to have a new coach. I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of situations. The situation's in flux at the moment, and I think what you're going to have is a USC team that really just doesn't care. They're going to come to Vegas for the holiday. They know this coach doesn't have any power over them because they're not going to be playing for him moving forward. So they're going to have a good time. They're going to take the field, do whatever the hell they want, and uh, Fresno State's going to catch them. So I like the fact that I'm getting seven, uh, hopefully getting seven. I'm going to play the money line here, too, with Fresno State because I think you're going to get a good effort. Remember, quarterback David Carr is trying to become the top pick in next year's draft. He's going to have this team ready to go because he wants to look good. And I think you're going to have this team fighting pretty hard. The question is, does USC's defense show up because they can cause some problems? But but my opinion of USC is that you're not going to get a real big effort here. I don't think they care about this game. I love that point you just made about Carr as well because a lot of mock drafts now showing him in the top five, even the top three picks uh, of the year. And this is definitely, you know, in the national spotlight, a, a big game for him. So uh, you might have just convinced me on this game. I like that reasoning there, Joe. <laughs> but, but I will say this. Well, he- I'll bring this up. Sorry to interrupt you. Pac-12 teams, right. Pac-12 teams this year, ten and zero against the Mountain West. Uh, that to me is a little bit of a concern. Um, I know you're getting seven points, and you know this is not a straight up bet that we're making. Well, you are playing the money line, but uh, Pac-12 has dominated the Mountain West this year, so that would be a little bit concerning for me. It, it, yeah, that's the point you got to make, and we always look at that for uh, NCAA March Madness time as well. That stuff's very important. That's one of five or six key rules you want to look at is how these teams have done it in out-of-conference play. Also, another another note for everybody, look at how these how every team has fared on the road. Don't worry about how anybody played at home because everybody's on the road for a bowl game no matter what the situation. Even if you're playing in the home building, it's really not a home game. You go through a whole different regimen there. So you want to look at home re- road records and, and, and put some weight on that. Uh, one other note, though, about this game this game, this Las Vegas Bowl specifically is known for blowouts with teams that come in and lay down. Um, last year it didn't happen. Boise and Washington put on a pretty good show. But I remember the year before, Arizona State came in, and uh, it was Dennis Erickson's last game, Rob. Brock Osweiler, yeah. the backup in Denver, he was the head coach. You thought you were going to get this big effort against Boise. Boise train wrecked them right out of the stadium. I think they were up by 50 at one point in that game. And then the year before, or a couple years before, this tends to be a game where you get the one team that wants to play and the one team that doesn't. And generally that team's the Pac-12 team. So, so don't quote me on it. Go back and look at the history. But I remember some lopsided scores in this game. And that's what we're hoping for here as well. All right, Joe, let's move on to the third game on uh, Saturday's slate. The Buffalo Bulls making their way to the other side of the country uh, for the Idaho Potato Bowl as they take on the San Diego State Aztecs at Boise State's Bronco Stadium. Uh, Jeff Quinn, the head coach of the Bulls, he's managed to guide them to an eight-win season uh, after they opened the year with back-to-back losses against Ohio State and Baylor. Uh, meanwhile, the Aztecs, they're the first team since 2010, just the 19th program since 1980, to start a season 0-3 and then still make an appearance in a bowl game. Uh, they bounced back to win seven of their uh, last eight games following a bad start to the year. That only loss in that span was against Fresno State in overtime. I remember that game pretty clearly uh, at the end of October. This game essentially a pick in most spots. I've seen some offshores with Buffalo favored by one and San Diego State favored by one, but it is in the pick range. Uh, they've played one common opponent this year, Ohio State. Buffalo a little bit more competitive in that game, but other than that, Joe, I'm, I'm having a hard time breaking down this game. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Again, you've got some strong opinions here in Vegas, but again, they're they're on opposite sides, so it's tough to get a lean. 
Um, San Diego State opened as the dog here. You had Buffalo as about a one-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on the book. Most books have now adjusted to San Diego State as a one-point favorite, which doesn't surprise me because that's the side I'm going to be playing. I got this game at a pick. I'd still play it at one. I like them here. One of the factors you want to take into account for bowl season, it's not a major factor, but you want to look at this, the, the, the ability for these teams to prepare for these games. We talk about motivation, but we also want to know how their preparation goes. San Diego is located, as we all know, Southern California. Great weather. They're able to practice outdoors. They're able to go through the normal routine. Buffalo is probably in the bubble because they had six feet of snow dumped on them yep. earlier this week over a two- or three-day span. So their practice regime, just getting around campus, everything they've had to deal with is more of a hassle. Now, granted, the weather in Idaho is going to favor them. It should be around 20 or 30 degrees, but this is a stadium San Diego State's familiar with. They went up here last year and knocked off Boise State at this stadium. I also think if you look at the quality of competition these two teams have played this year, Buffalo hasn't beaten anybody. They've fallen in every big game they've played. Now, I'm not worried about the Baylor or the Ohio State games because that's, that's what's going to happen. You put the big-time schools up against the little schools trying to get a payday, so you're going to get blowouts. But when I look at the rest of their schedule against Bowling Green, they had them at home, they, they had a lead early, and then they ended up getting beat by close to three touchdowns in that game. You know, you look at some of the other matchups, they, they have not played very well. They don't have a, a single marquee win on the schedule. There's not to be said that San Diego State has gone out and gotten marquee wins, but they did beat a decent Boise State team this year. They hung real tight and should have knocked off Oregon State early in the year, but they blew it late. And um, they also had a real tight performance against someone else on the schedule. So for me, I, I like the fact that this is the four straight bowl game for San Diego State. These kids are familiar with it. This is only Buffalo's second bowl game since in school history. They, they played in one, I believe, in 2009. So for me, I'm going to lean San Diego State here. There's one. I, I have the same lean as you in this game. I'm not going to be playing it personally, and the reason why uh, I look at this game, the total is at 52, so not a high total. It's pretty pretty low by college standards in the low 50s. You look at San Diego State; they have no kicking game, and that goes under the radar. A lot of people don't look at this stuff, but the Aztecs this year, eight of 15 on their field goal attempts. They haven't hit a field goal since the fourth game of the year. So, if this is going to be a close, low-scoring game, as the odds would indicate. I don't know if I want to be on the side of the team that just can't kick the ball, Joe. Yeah, that's an excellent point because I'll tell you what, I've made this mistake in the past where I bet some of these, uh, let's call them more obscure college games because we always know what's happening in the pros. It's not hard to track 32 teams, but it's much more difficult to track well over 100. And I've had games where I've jumped on sides that I've liked, I've gotten good information, and I'm watching it, and I, I don't know a lot about the teams. It's just info I've gotten that's been sent my way. And you'll watch it, and then they make an announcement at the beginning of the game about how the kicking game is a total mess. <laughs> you don't have a kicker who, who, like you said, they haven't made a damn field goal in, what, two months. So you look at that, and then you say to yourself, damn, if this thing's going to be close, I can't rely on that. So hopefully, once again, that opens up the table for some fourth down opportunities. You know, if San Diego State knows coming in that that's going to be a situation, go for it on fourth down, play for four downs. Yep. Maybe that opens up the scoring a little bit and gets us some more touchdowns on the board, but hopefully it makes for an exciting game. But, yes, yeah, certainly a note to keep an eye on. All right, Joe, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific, the New Orleans Bowl on tap at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, the whole home of the New Orleans Saints, Tulane taking on Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns. Uh, after winning just four games in 2011 and 2012 combined, uh, Tulane, one of the most improved teams in the nation this year, 7-5 and record, 5-3 and in Conference USA. Um, they were 5-1 and one at the Superdome this season as well. They'll have the advantage of playing in their home stadium, uh, whereas Louisiana, they were on the fast track to winning the Sun Belt outright, uh, but they closed the year with consecutive losses to ULM and South Alabama. They end up sharing the league title with Arkansas State. 
Uh, now, this game is interesting because much of the speculation around the game uh, has been centered on the availability of Louisiana's quarterback, Terrence Broadway. Uh, he under- underwent surgery earlier this month for a forearm fracture. He's listed as doubtful in this game, and uh, the books didn't post an early line on this, but we are seeing lines. Uh, I saw last night to Lane Lane two and a half, but depending on the book now, I'm seeing some pickums. So this game uh, between Pickham and two and a half. I look at this game without Broadway, though. There's only one one way I could lean in this game, Joe. Not the exact same way. If there's no Broadway, I'm going to be all over Tulane. I like this Tulane football team, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the Broadway situation, he took snaps in practice on Wednesday, but no one's getting a clear picture on what's happening here, and they still believe he's not going to play in this game. That's the belief. But don't get caught making a bet until we get confirmation on what's going to be happening down there. They had won, I believe it was eight straight games, UL Lafayette did. They were cruising. Broadway gets hurt. They were even up against UL Monroe, I believe 21-7. Broadway breaks his arm. They tank that game late, and then the wheels come off the bus in the finale, and they get blown out against, I think it was Arkansas State or someone of that nature, to close out their season. So he means a lot to this team. Tulane, on the other hand, they lost a bunch of games on the strips. They were a covering machine this year. Mm-hmm. They've covered a lot of spreads. They're a team that's undergone a dramatic turnaround. I believe they won two games last year. This year they win seven. They get bowl eligible. They're playing in their home city in front of their home crowd in their home stadium against a rival they lost to last year. So hopefully there's some motivation to knock them off as well. I know you don't believe in that, but I always <laughs> like to throw that little tidbit in there. And um, at the same time, you know, it's just uh, it, it's got to be exciting for the school. I don't think Tulane's been in a bowl game since like 2000 or 2002. So this is a big moment for them. It's a big opportunity to take advantage of a big spot. Um, they've covered spreads. They look, you look at the turnover differential last year, I think they were minus nine or something. This year they're like plus 12. They've gone, oh, undergone a nice turnaround. If Broadway's out, I'm going to be on Tulane. And as long as it's less than three, I'll be cool there. But you can get these numbers now. I mean, if you want to sprinkle a little bit early and grab it at one, one and a half, um, and then come back harder later when you get the confirmation, I think that's all right too. But don't go too nuts until you figure out what the quarterback situation is. I I don't think it's necessarily a horrible play to play it now before they confirm Broadway is out. Again, speculation is that he's not going to play. He could end up playing, but I still would lead to Tulane in the game if he does. You look at Louisiana this year, just 3-8 and eight against the spread. They weren't covering spreads with Broadway in the lineup, so it wouldn't be, you know, it, it definitely it would hurt Tulane if Broadway's playing, uh, but not... No, you know you can get a good line on him if you bet him really early. Uh, I I do imagine if once it's confirmed he's out that we're going to see this spread rise, Joe. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. And and the sharper guys, uh, they're watching this too. They're probably betting, but they're keeping an eye on it. But when that announcement comes down, you're going to have people flood that thing. That's probably going to get the three or more because a lot of people aren't paying attention to the situation and they think, oh, it's at the last second. Suddenly a quarterback can't play. This is great news. Remember, UL Lafayette is preparing to play without Broadway. They're, they're making sure the backups are getting reps. This isn't some crazy surprise like you see in the NFL every now and again on a Sunday with just some automatic scratch at the last moment. Like, I believe it was Calvin Johnson earlier in the year. Yep. Like, what the hell was going on there? Like, an hour before kickoff and suddenly he's not playing. I didn't even know the guy was on the injury report that week. Yep. But, um, yeah, bottom line, that's what you want to keep an eye on. But I think you're right. I think we're gambling in nature on these games anyway, so take a gamble here that he won't play. And even if he does, remember, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not like the line's going to swing seven points the other way. 
Tulane's still a very good football team with a good shot to win this game, whether or not Broadway plays. So, yeah, I, I think that's the right move there, Rob. All right, Joe, let's move on to Monday next week. East Carolina trying to end their postseason woes as they take on the Ohio University Bobcats in the Beefle Brady's Bowl at Tropicana Field. East Carolina, they lost 59-28 to Marshall in their regular season finale. That prevented them from making a trip to the Conference USA Championship game, left them at 9-3 and overall for the season. They're battling a Bobcats team that took on two of Conference USA's top programs uh, earlier this year in September. They managed to win against both North Texas and Marshall at home. Uh, ECU, they've qualified for a bowl game in seven of their last eight years, but they don't have a good record. They've lost four straight, six of their last seven bowl games. They're probably not going to lose outright this year. They are a 13.5-point favorite. Uh, but that but that track, rec- track record, Joe, excuse me, it's pretty discouraging for me. Yeah, I... Um... I like this East Carolina team earlier in the year. We made some good money off of that. They were, they were cruising along. They were covering spreads. They're exciting to watch, too. And then they went into that uh, Marshall game, which I thought they had a good chance in. But there was some real funky line movement to Marshall at the last minute. I was watching that, and I just kept thinking to myself, something doesn't look right here. And I stayed off the game, and Marshall just blew them out of the building. So that's a really deflating loss when you were gearing up for that game all season long. So something to keep in mind. Do they have the motivation? On the other side, you got an Ohio team that, you know, people don't really recognize them all that much because they're not one of the top three or four teams in the distinction, you know, Northern Illinois, Ball State, Bowling Green. But uh, Frank Stolich tends to show up in bowl games. He tends to have his teams ready. This is a two-touchdown line, but you're seeing it drop a little bit to the point where um, I think you can get as low as 13, 13 and a half. But some shops in town here in Vegas have 14. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, for me personally, I'm not going to play a side here. Um, I don't know what East Carolina is going to do, but I would look to the over in this mm. game at 62 points. If I was going to play something, I think the total's the way I would go. Absolutely. I love the over in this game, and I was just about to ask you about it as well. I like to set my own lines on the games before they come out, especially around bowl season, so I'll, I'll try to avoid the uh, posted spreads and totals for a week or so. And I had this game, I believe, at 68.5. We see 62 at most books right now, but I look at this game. East Carolina is going to score. Uh, they'll probably score into the 40s or 50s against, uh, against Ohio. Ohio's pass defense is awful. 88th in the nation. East Carolina can move the ball through the air. If we can rely on the Bobcats to score a couple touchdowns here, I think we cash this over, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that play as well. It's like we said earlier, you get, you get a lot of trickery. I just go back and check out the numbers to see how the totals fare in bowl season, if there are any trends to look for. But we mentioned it earlier. We'll mention it again here. You're going to have teams going for it on fourth down. You leave it all on the table. You take a lot of shots down the field. You get a lot of big plays. That's why this time of year is so exciting. So this is one where if East Carolina shows up, at least halfway motivated to play, they're going to be able to score their points. Ohio needs to figure out a way to score on this defense. I think Frank Solich, based on what he's seen on tape over the last you know, few weeks to get ready for this, is going to find a way to put some points on the board. So, yeah, I agree with you. I like that your number somewhere around 68. That gives us some pretty strong value there on the over. All right, Joe, moving on to Tuesday night. we got Boise State going for a team record fifth straight postseason win. They're taking on a struggling Oregon State team in the Hawaii Bowl. The Broncos have reached a 12th straight bowl. Uh, this one a little bit different, though, because for the first time in a while, Chris Peterson won't be on the sideline. He was hired by Washington. So assistant Bob Gregory will be in charge in this game in Hawaii. Uh, Boise State taking on an Oregon State squad that lost their final five regular season games. But when you look closer into those five games, the schedule very tough. Stanford, USC, Arizona State, Washington, 
Washington and Oregon. Uh, some really good teams there. I actually kind of like this matchup for the Beavers. Uh, they made me some money earlier in the year, so I'm a little bit biased towards them. But uh, all those Pac-12 losses were against teams that were a lot better than the chumps that Boise State's been beating up on all year. Uh, a lot of people I've talked to as well scratching their heads why the Beavers are favored here. Uh, I have no issue laying the three points in this game, Joe, but I, I believe we disagree on this one. Yeah, game open, Oregon State minus one. It's now been bet up to about three. A lot of people love the uh, the Peterson angle for Boise State. Um, quarterback Joe Southwick is back. Uh, senior quarterback Joe Southwick is going to be back for Boise State here, which some people I'm not even sure if they think that's an upgrade. They like the backup a little bit more. Um, but the telling thing for me in this, and this is what scares me, is that, and this is one of the factors you got to pay attention to in bowl season, Teams that are streaking, whether it's good or bad heading into the bowl season, are they streaking? And Oregon State, like you said, they played hard and ran into a murderer's row schedule down the stretch, but they lost five straight to close out the season. That season started off halfway decent, and then it completely fell apart. Um, and you got to wonder, you're going to Hawaii right before Christmas. Do you care about putting on a good show? Does this game mean anything to you? Because you just got blasted up and down the field the last few weeks of the season. So that's what worries me about Oregon State. Boise, they're a team that always shows up. I'm not worried that Peterson's not going to be there. Gregory has bowl experience. He's been to 15 bowl games during his career. He's been to the last, I believe, two or three with Boise State. Boise's covered four of the last five bowl games they're in. Granted, I do understand without Peterson it is a different situation, but you've got a guy familiar with the team on both sides of the ball taking over for this game. This is going to be his last shot uh, before the uh, regime change takes place. So you've got to figure Boise seems like a tight-knit community. They seem like a football program that's more like a family than anything else. I think you're going to get a real good effort from the Broncos here, and I think you're going to have your standard Boise State trickery to fall back on as well. So for me, I am going to be leaning Boise State. It's not a game I love, but I'll be playing the Broncos catching the three. One thing I like looking at in bowl season, and we talked about this in one of the earlier games we broke down, uh, is home road splits for these teams. And, and the one thing about Boise State is they have a pretty big home road split. Now, granted, they've won some games away from home this year, but they've been a very, very good home team and a Away from home, I believe they had three losses this season. I do remember that uh, you know 17-point loss against BYU on the road earlier this year. This is a team that's played a lot better as home at home, and uh, not a lot of people recognize that, Joe. You're right, eight and four on the season, but two and four on the road. And that's certainly something to keep in mind because these are road trips. Although I do believe Boise might have a little familiarity with this game, having been down to uh, Hawaii to play the Warriors yep. before in the past. So you hope that that will factor in. Um, but, again, you, you never really know. For Oregon State, you got to wonder how many of these guys um, – you know, a lot of these guys come from Hawaii. They recruit there, and they're, they're, they're from the South Pacific as well. So they're, they're very probably familiar with the area. So, But for me, I, I, I think this one comes down to motivation. I think you're going to get the effort from Boise. I don't think you're going to get it from Oregon State. But I can see, and I do respect the side you're on, because I do know some guys in town that really like Oregon State here. This is another one of those games where guys have a strong opinion. The problem is we're not getting a consensus. All right, Joe, a week from now, the Bowling Green Falcons, they go for a school record tying 11th victory when they face Pittsburgh in the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl on Boxing Day. Uh, Bowling Green returning to Ford Field, uh, where this game will be played after they lit up Northern Illinois there in the MAC championship game. Meanwhile, the Panthers, uh, they had a couple big wins earlier this year over Notre Dame, who was ranked at the time. Uh, They won at Duke as well, but they've dropped four of their last six games uh, to finish their first season in the ACC. Now, this one's an interesting game as well. Bowling Green laying five and a half at most spots that I'm looking at right now. My first thoughts when I looked at this game were that it would be, it would, 
was that it would be a route. Uh, but I dug a little bit deeper into this game. I'm starting to lean with Pitt a little bit, surprisingly. Uh, I look at the huge difference in records between these two teams, but uh, you look at the talent on these teams, it's pretty even. The strength of schedule, there was a big difference in the opponents that these two teams played. I'm probably not going to play Pitt, but I'm starting to think that they're the right side, Joe. I haven't dug too far into this because it's next Thursday, so I'm going to put a little bit more time in in the future. But I, I talked to some guys. Again, this is another game that has a split. Uh, the opinions aren't as strong, but the guys I talked to in town, no consensus. Some guys like Pitt here, some guys like Bowling Green. For me, if I have my initial lean would be to lay the points with Bowling Green. I've watched some of Pitt. There's never been a moment where they've impressed me. I mean, it's been like years since that team impressed me on the field. Uh, Bowling Green. Huge win to end the season over Northern Illinois. That was their Super Bowl. They went out there. They put on a hell of a show. They smashed Northern Illinois up and down the field. They won the conference. This is as far as they could go. So the question is, do they care about this game? Did they already win their Super Bowl and this game doesn't mean anything? Or do they want to finish strong and just put it on the opposition to go out on the high note? I think it's more towards the latter. So right now I'm leaning Bowling Green, but I'm going to dig more into this next week. I want to see if we get any big line movements here that would uh, maybe give us a telling sign in which way the Sharps are going to be playing. I really like the total in this game as well. Again, I'm not a huge totals player, but I'll play them a lot around this time of the year, uh, especially when there's fewer games to select from. And I look at this game, I see a total of 50. That looks a little bit high to me. Bowling Green, granted, they haven't played the toughest schedule this year, but giving up less than 15 points per game. They have the nation's number five scoring defense. Then you look at Pitt, they had the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. Um, That's two strong defenses. I think 50 points is too much to ask for these two teams, Joe. I'd agree with you there as well. Bowling Green brought back nine or ten defensive starters from last year. I mean, this is a team that prides itself on defense. And Pitt, when you watch them, they're not a team that, while they play some good defense, they're not a team that lights it up. You never really see those schools, Pitt, Virginia Tech, a lot of those, uh, Virginia, those teams that all bang around with each other every now and again. You, uh, you don't see a lot of scoring from them like you do from the rest of the country. So I would side with that as well. I would lean to the under here. All right, Joe, the final game on our podcast this week is a good one. Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois excuse me, they're looking to set a single-season school record for victories as well. Uh, though It would come one game later than they would have liked. They just missed out on another BCS Bowl bid. Um, they're taking on a Utah State team that's a pretty good team as well. Uh, last year, obviously, they got to the BCS Bowl. Northern Illinois did. They lost 31-10 to Florida State in the Orange Bowl. They were going to get there again this year, probably, uh, but they lost to Bowling Green in the MAC Championship game. They have got smoked in that game by 20 points. Utah State, they're coming in uh, on a school record, three straight bowl appearances. Uh, They're also taking on a MAC opponent for the third straight time. They played in the Idaho Potato Bowl each of the last two years. Once they beat Ohio, uh, sorry, they lost to Ohio, and they beat Toledo uh, last year in a rout. Uh, This one interesting, NIU opened in the two, two and a half range. I've seen that bet down to one and a half at most offshores. I agree with this movement. Uh, My lines had Utah State favored in this game when I set them. Uh, So I think the wrong team's favored here. I'm going to play the Aggies in this game. I I think it's going to be tough for Northern Illinois to get up for this after they had their BCS bubble burst, Joe. Whether you feel you have an edge on the side or the total for this game, one thing's for sure. Watch this football game. This is going to be a good football game. This could be the sleeper of the bowl season, putting these two teams together. Utah State has a hell of a lot of fight. And if you haven't watched them, if, if any of the listeners out there haven't had a chance to check this team out, put them on. They, they, they are a fun football team to watch, both sides of the ball. Northern Illinois, we're a little bit more familiar with them getting to watch them during the week, especially with Jordan Lynch and all the hype surrounding the quarterback. Um, they're also a fun team to watch. So I think you, you've got a real good – we talk about styles making fights. 
this is one that sets up real nicely for a real good game. Um, I don't, I don't know what, what I want to do with this one. I agree with you in that if I'm going to make a play, the line move is certainly going to Utah State. Utah State would be the position I want to take because the bubble did burst on Northern Illinois. But what worries me is that this is Jordan Lynch's final game. This is the final game at Northern Illinois. The greatest player to ever come through the program. Right. He went to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You know he's going to want to put on a good show and eliminate the bad taste from his mouth. You know the team's probably going to get up for him because they know how much he's meant to the program. So for me, I, I, I want to talk about the letdown because it, it, this looks to be the letdown spot after having a chance to go to a BCS Bowl and then getting your tail kicked in the conference title game. But at the same time, I, I think he's going to come out and he's going to give a solid effort. So that's why I think this game's going to be so good. For me, I don't know if I'm going to make a play just yet. I do lean the Utah State because I do like them. But either way, watch this football game because it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, even without the letdown factor, Utah State, they have a real good defense. And I, I've watched a lot of them this year. And uh, that game against Fresno State, they held Fresno State to 24. That Fresno State went into that game averaging 45 points a game. So that was a pretty good feat for them. And on top of that, uh, we saw Jordan Lynch go up against a, a really good defense uh, when they played that MAC championship game against against Bowling Green. He was kept in check in that game as well. So uh, I, I think Utah State has the defense to take this game, Joe. Yeah, and, and, and with an offense that Northern Illinois runs, similar to, uh, not similar to what Auburn does, but the fact that these are teams that pride themselves on catching opponents out of position, mm-hmm. meaning you only have five, six days to prepare. When you have a month to get ready for Auburn's yeah. option or a month to get ready for what Jordan Lynch and Northern Illinois like to do, that's a big advantage. That's when you can figure out how to teach these kids discipline, gap responsibility, how to shut down these these offenses. That's why I think Auburn could be in some trouble, but we'll get to that at another time. Obviously, that game will have its day in the right. sun on this podcast. But for this one, Utah State, you talk about the defense. In addition, look at that offense. They lost Chucky Keaton midway through the season. He's a hell of a quarterback, and they still went out there and won games and fought all season long. The backup can play real well there too so it's it, this uh I, i've said it three or four times i can't wait to watch this one day after christmas this is going to be a great this is going to be very exciting i think in my opinion although that being said it probably in 10-3 and i get hit with emails by everyone the following day yeah i'll be honest with you i just hope it ends with utah state winning by a big margin so i don't have to sweat <laughs> i hope it's not the game of the bowl season let's put it that way because i don't want to be sweating on my coach uh, that's it yeah, for this. You, 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 your position is you could be the worst game of all time. Just have USC win going away, so I don't have to worry about it. That's that. Let me catch some. Yeah, exactly. I want I want the good games to be the ones that I don't bet on. Those are the ones I'm looking yeah. forward to. The games I do bet on, I don't want them to be close. I just be over by <laughs> halftime. I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I love being able to. The, uh, that Chargers-Giants game a couple weeks back, that's what that was. I love that game. The Chargers smoked oh, them. Yeah. I turned that thing off and didn't have to worry about it, although that's uh, it's always a concern when you do that with a team like the Chargers with their history of blowing games in the fourth. But they're not going to worry about that. We'll cover the Utah State game. Yeah, absolutely. For all the listeners out there, head over to nationalfootballpost.com. You can check out Joe's Bowl Game Betting Primer, Volume 1. Uh, Joe has a four-pack of games up there on the website with some extra analysis and trends for each, so check that out. You can also follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Fortenbaugh and myself at Rob Pizzola. Uh, Joe, as always, a pleasure breaking down the board with you. Good luck in the first week of action, and we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Happy holidays, Rob, and to everyone that's listening. Thanks for listening all year. Enjoy these games. They're going to be fun, and uh, we'll catch you next week uh, with the next edition of the uh, College Podcast. Uh, Let's close this thing out strong.
Perfect. That's Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post. Quickly to recap the eight games we talked about. Uh, Colorado State, Washington State. I'm on Washington State big in this game. I like them a lot. Uh, Also leaning to the over, both me and Joe. USC, Fresno State. No opinion for myself. Joe likes Fresno State in that game, especially if it gets up to seven points. Buffalo, San Diego State. Joe's playing San Diego State in that matchup as well. Uh, We got Louisiana taking on Tulane. Uh, Tulane is going to be a play, I think, regardless, uh, but a bigger play without Broadway in the lineup for Lafayette in that game. Ohio, East Carolina. Lean to Ohio, like the over in that game. Uh, Oregon State, Boise State. Differing opinions for me and Joe. We're against each other in this one. I'm playing OSU. He's playing Boise. Pittsburgh Bowling Green. I like the under 50 in that game. Both offenses will struggle to score. Finally, Utah State, Northern Illinois. I'm taking Utah State as an underdog in that game. This has been a special bowl game edition of High Roller Tide. Thanks for listening and good luck this week. For even more of the best picks in football this week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rob Pizzola and at Joe Fortenbaugh.